The views expressed on the Nova Society are those of the participants and do not reflect the view of any institution any participant is associated with. We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society. And today, following the Iowa caucuses, the Iowa Republican caucuses, and the results, which was really no surprise to anyone, our panel asks ourselves, exactly what is it that has made the American people so susceptible to the rhetoric that's being put out there in the light of all the different legal, political, and social issues that arise around candidates? What makes people ignore reality and actually embrace what might be against their own best interest? So let's listen in. So I guess I guess my question is let's let's get you know you've got Trump who spouts this, but you've got the American people who kind of like suck it in. So I guess I'll go around. Are the American people that gullible, or are they that stupid, or are they both? So I'll, as, I'll as all in. of us as all of us sit here with our mouths open trying to figure out how to say I, I mean, this. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I saw a couple of people in Iowa saying that we need a dictator. The country needs a dictator now. And that if Trump wants to be a dictator, that's fine with them. And it, it's mind-blowing, as I can see Brooke <laughs> agrees with me in a very emphatic way, that that's a mind-blowing concept, that anybody would say something like that in America. And certainly not in New Hampshire, which has always been live free and die and or, or die. And, and you, you wouldn't want a kind of authoritarian figure like him but there are people who unfortunately believe that this country is headed in the wrong direction and it needs to be ripped down to the studs and rebuilt. And they feel that destroying things is a great, a great way to start. And I disagree. And we've seen the results of it. Like he dismantled the immigration system that Obama left him. And when he was elected, we were at a 50 year low in illegal immigration. And he destroyed that. He dismantled everything that Obama did, and here we are. And he dismantled the epidemic response teams, the one that was in the White House, uh, the one that conducted the Crimson Contagion war game that, uh, you know, that, that imagined a, a pandemic coming from China, sweeping across the world very quickly, and what to do about it, threw that playbook out having gotten it in late October or early November, right before the pandemic began in in uh, January, and closed the CDC offices in China that were supposed to be the first line of defense against an epidemic becoming a pandemic. And, and he dismantled a number of other things. He wanted to dismantle NATO, would have probably done it in a second term, would probably do it now. He... We had a very long relationship with Pakistan that he destroyed with one word, saying that we've given them so much money and gotten nothing in return, which Pakistan turned around and said, hey, China, you are our new best friend. And we lost that relationship. We lost that alliance that was so key in that part of the world. And a whole bunch of other situations. I mean, the even what people figure our accomplishments in the Abraham Accords was a policy that ignored, that sought to figure out the Arab-Palestine problem by ignoring the Palestinians altogether and having other people make decisions for them. Obviously, that's not 
a great strategy for anybody to do. So he tore down so much. And I don't believe that we can afford to have, uh, oh, and uh, I'll give you one more. The, it was the Paul Ryan tax plan, not the Trump tax plan that passed in 2017, uh, you know, boosted an already good economy, stimulated an economy, uh, didn't do anything for working people, um, you know, hurt a lot of us, especially here in the Northeast, who, who, whose best tax deduction was our property tax, uh, property taxes. Again, he didn't, he outsourced the judge, the picking the judges, again, a, a number of things that people consider Trump accomplishments were not Trump accomplishments. He just simply outsourced them to other people who were more ideological than he was and allowed them to, to do what they wanted to do. As long as they came to him and paid him homage, uh, and, and, you know, genuflected in front of him, he was very happy to have them do whatever they wanted to do. So Priscilla, stupid or gullible, or I'll even add a third one. Just crazy. Well, you know, I think all of those are very apropos, but in all, in all honesty, though, I think one of the challenges that Americans have had forever is the overall culture's relationship to the other and whoever the other happens to be. So you have somebody like Trump who's up there spewing rhetoric and nonsense, but saying all the right words that hit on all of those fears of the other. And so it's the, it's those right words at the right time, even if they're coming from the wrong person. And it's, it's like classic trauma response that you're getting the, the validation for that one little thing. You're going to put a hook on that particular validation at the expense of any empathetic response you might have for anyone else in the world. It amazes me time and again is the conversations with um, women, for instance, who are like so fixated on this like anti-abortion issue that they're like, let's dismantle Planned Parenthood and don't uh, corporate personhood and you don't have to require birth control in your insurance plans, you know, things along those lines. And then it's like, what about your daughter? <laughs> oh, not my daughter. That's never going to happen to my daughter. You know, it's, it's like there's this lack of ability to actually think critically and think empathetically about other people. And Thinking of just my experiences going through school and you know, the types of narratives we were taught in social studies and history classes about American history, it kind of reinforces that. It's like part of the American narrative to be pro-America, be pro this like American dream, this heroic ideal at the expense of all the other people who are here first. So it's I, I think it's part of the American mindset, unfortunately, and it's something that through our various channels, there's definitely been a political push to try to level set that. And we've made a lot of progress with things like DE&I and um, inclusion um, tactics to the point now, however, <laughs> that folks are seeing higher ed as like a liberal institution and devaluing what it is by sheer fact that it's liberal 
never mind the million different ways we could talk about and unpack liberal. They see it because we've become so bifurcated through our party system that there is <laughs> there's this this is the one way we want and this is the one way we don't want there's nothing in between there's no spectrum anytime spectrum conversation comes up whether it's gender identity or anything else it's like oh god we can't have spectrum it's all binary one way or the other and shut down the conversation because heaven forbid having complex thought and complex conversation about these kinds of things yeah brooklyn yeah crazy um, crazy or stupid I would say um, unenlightened and ill-informed and undereducated. And to Priscilla's point, being taught in a binary manner, a dyadic manner, things are true or they're false. And then you've got multiple guests, right? Um, And when my daughter went to school in Toronto, among the first things she had to do was to write an essay on whether there were any such thing as a moral war and or a just war. And this was in seventh grade. Uh, The kids were 12. Their teacher was from Britain. Another teacher was from Ecuador. There were people from all over the world. It was a very, very enlightening experience, very good experience for her. I thought it was great living up there. I learned from doing a lot of extensive reading using um, Toronto's wonderful library system that the American Revolution was not one by a bunch of farmers running around with pitchforks and so forth with a tiny amount of help from the French against the cream of the British army. It was, in fact, there were a number of other countries who saw this opportunity, uh, like nine other countries who saw this opportunity to give Britain a big fat black eye and engaged the uh, British imperialists all over the world so that what was left over to come and fight the the colonies with whom these other nations, including like the Dutch and the uh, Portuguese and the Spanish and so forth and the French, they all had very lucrative trading contracts that they wanted to maintain. They were all engaging the cream of the British army and what was left came over here. And and the those British soldiers weren't particularly delighted at fighting over here. Uh, a number of them probably would, you know, would have been delighted to live here and not have to be um, suppressed by the by living under the British crown under such appalling conditions as um, as were present in um in England at the time. Um, and so it was not what we were taught in school, manifest destiny and all that nonsense. And we're taught incorrectly that we're somehow superior, somehow entitled. Like Dick Cheney said, well, Americans are entitled to drive a car. No, sorry. That's not how natural resources works. That's not how the environment works. That's not how anything works. It. I mean, that. that's just not reality and and to teach people that and and to create entitlement and to to school people erroneously um and not have them not even know that they're being taught erroneously 
at least I know in the in the Soviet time, people knew very well that what they were seeing in the newspapers were lies. If you wanted to know what was going on, you'd have to look at the back of the newspaper and in very small print and then figure if you saw a um, an article that said, you know, an American plane crashed, that they were really talking about a Soviet airplane having crashed. Um, and then you really knew what was going on. But here, that's not the case. And the I remember uh, reading or hearing on a documentary about Vietnam that the um, independently of the government, the major news networks decided that they were no longer going to cover the war and they were no longer going to to discuss uh you know show body bags and things like that coming back from the um the uh, theater of war operations and that gave the public the impression that the war was over when in fact it was not i remember uh listening to mike johnson the perhaps soon to be former speaker they're talking about and, and the Republican view that not enough children are being born in this country and that women, one reason that they don't want women to have abortions is that there are too many baby boomers up at the top and not enough workforce coming along to support everybody. And so we need a bigger workforce. And I'm thinking if you're going to force people to have children now, those children are not going to be grown and working for at least 18, 20 years, 22 years, whatever it might be. This is the reason to have immigrants who want to be here, people who like the, the dreamers and so forth who want to be here and people who who would be delighted to come here and work who are already adults who might really want to be educated offer them i mean if if we are having a below replacement birth rate which we are and have been and the american population is dwindling at such a terribly frightening rate then there ought to be plenty of jobs that we don't have to worry about immigrants taking our jobs because there are fewer and fewer and fewer of us. So actually, we ought to be welcoming many, many immigrants to come and keep up our frighteningly shrinking population. But apparently, unless everybody's white, in which case we ought to be welcoming all the Ukrainians we can and all the Russians we can. I mean, the whole thing just doesn't make any sense when one when one. Um, deconstructs it it's just mind-boggling and so i think that people as as priscilla said they're 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 grabbing at whatever they can because they are frightened and i'm not sure if they know even what they're frightened of they've been taught that maybe people are hardwired maybe we're still hardwired or many of us are of uh what goes bump in the dark and that we're prey animals really and that we need protection from monsters in the woods so we need our guns and we need to protect ourselves from these winged fanged gigantic predators that run faster and have sharp teeth and so on and so forth but you know and kind now, of building off hmm? of that though because like fairy tales have been around myths have been around this is a, a long-standing thing but when you add to that a generation of watching fairy tales on television and being told to duck and cover 
in those little malleable minds, now they become equated that maybe those monsters under the bed really are there. And yet we all, you know, common sense tells us ducking and covering under your little wooden desk at school isn't going to do anything, but (laughs) maybe being able to break into daddy's gun cabinet will. Yes. Well, I so will, did, I will, any, did any of us answer your question? No. So I'm going to answer it directly. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with, and I'm going to actually pick it. I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of, yeah, kind of Brooke. Yeah. Uh, kind of. I'm going to piggyback a little bit off Quite of your example, Scott, a, a little bit off of Persol's and actually a little bit off of Brooks. I'm going to say stupid. We are not so, st- we are not so star spangled wonderful as we think we are. We are just as stupid as everybody else, because as Scott said, Trump comes in and he gets rid of all these programs. People voted against their best interests. That's plain. And it's just plain and simple. And <clears throat> to Priscilla's point, it, it's, it's really, it really is a matter of kind of turning your power over to somebody else because it's kind of like punting in football. I can't do anything with it here. You take it, you do something with it. It does have a lot to do with education as, as, as Priscilla, as uh, Brooke said, however, the education people get today comes off of the internet, comes off of social media, comes off of all of those, those places. And that's where your issue is. I've had a student say to me, Sean Hannity said, and my comment was, Sean Hannity went to five universities and never graduated from one. You are in, you're a senior to get your bachelor's degree. You're about to have more education than Sean Hannity. Why would you give your power of of thinking over to somebody not smart enough to get through five colleges? Why, Why would you do that? And the answer is, oh, well, you know, but he's, he's on the television and well, you know, he's got this, this great platform again, back to Priscilla's point. It's a matter of platform. The fact is, is that what, what Priscilla was saying, he's, he's saying all the right, he's the wrong person to say all the right things. But the problem with what he's saying is, is that depending on who's listening, you're the other. They just don't realize it. They don't get the fact that when he's saying, and you're hearing it in your own little echo chamber, you're saying, oh yeah, he's talking about those other people other than me. And then there's those other group over here saying, oh yeah, he's talking about that other group other than me. And they're all thinking the same thing that they're taught. They're talking about someone else. I got news for them. They're talking about you. They're the ones talking about you. You just don't get it. And for that, you're stupid. So that would be, I mean, that, that's my take on, and again, I, I take it from, from Priscilla's comment about the other, and I totally agree with that. And we've talked about that, Scott. And so, so is uh, Brooklyn and I, the way the issue is, is that you are that other, you just don't get it. You seem to think that putting him in here because he's saying all the things that you want to hear is going to elevate you in some way. And the fact is, is they're not elevating you. They don't care about you. You just aren't bright enough to understand that the other that they're talking about is really you. And I think that's, uh, 
That's the point. Scott is a little, uh, Scott looks like he's a little uh, dubious of that thought. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, of course we all know that half the population is, is below average intelligence. Right. I mean, that, I think that's a, and, and then you see a poll like a, 68% of people in Iowa don't believe that Joe Biden won the election legitimately. And you begin to think, well, maybe it's even more than 50%. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it's hard to, it's hard to, to sort of understand people because you see that, that people generally say the economy, the economy is bad by like a 70% margin. Right. But then if you ask them, how their current situation is 63% of them say that they're they're doing fine. So what, what exactly is bad if they're doing fine? Yeah. And they, they seem to like all of a sudden have found a little empathy for other people, but you know, basically it's, it, it seems more like they, their platforms, their news outlets aren't telling them what the truth is because it's inconvenient for them to do so. So they're not interested in understanding that, that Obama, Obama's second term, the economy became really great. And that's what Trump lived off of for, for three years before the pandemic. And that Obama, not, not Trump was the was the person who deported more more illegal aliens than anybody else, and Biden has actually deported more than Trump did. You know, it's just the people people are incredulous because they are told things by this news outlet that they get their news from that is simply not true, and and a lot of information that they really probably would find useful is being hidden from them and they don't really understand. And that's how you get people voting for, for um, governors and legislatures that are deliberately hurting their children. And, you know, we sit here and cluck and wonder how somebody could be so stupid. It's not that they're stupid. They're just not informed. Nobody, they're not paying attention and nobody's telling them. We're not spoon feeding them this information enough so that they can really understand it, you know? Anybody who went around saying CRT is being taught in elementary schools just didn't study CRT like we did, and so on and so forth, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, well, no, and you're, you're exactly right. I mean, there's probably maybe, I don't know, a, a, a few thousand people that actually truly understand what CRT is. Most times when they talk about it, they talk about, uh, they're actually talking about legal studies, not, not CRT from the sociological standpoint. So yeah, that's a interesting dilemma that we all live in. All right, guys. Appreciate you. You guys take care. Thank you. Take care. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. So that's all the time we have for today's episode. The Nova Society is a production of the Phoenix Research Institute. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, the Journal of Interdisciplinary Conflict Science. The JCIS is an open journal for upcoming scholars. The JCIS is currently accepting article submissions on an ongoing basis. The JCIS is a publication of Nova Works, a scholarly depository at Nova Southeastern University. A link to the journal is in our description. 
We'd also like to thank our podcast partners, Buzzsprout, who hosts the Nova Society, Audacity, who is our editing partner, and Podkite, who does all of our analytics. We'd also like to thank iHeartRadio, where people get their music and podcasts, Apple iTunes, the largest source for music and podcasts on the internet, Spotify, the most popular source for the Nova Society. The Nova Society is available on all these and other quality platforms mentioned in our description. We'd also like to thank our listeners. Without you, the Nova Society would not be possible. If you have a comment, a question, or would like to be a guest on the Nova Society, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. Always remember, the power of society is knowledge. So for Dr. Scott Gershwer, Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon, Dr. Priscilla Hobbs, and all of us here at the Nova Society, I'm Dr. Mark Bound. Be well, and we hope to see you again next time.